Hey there! Do you like soccer? Do you like international intrigue? Are you interested in independent island nations, overseas collectivities, or self-governing overseas territories across the Caribbean? Well, friend, we have a podcast for you. This is the World of CONCACAF podcast. My name is Eric Schmitz. I'm Donald Wine. And I'm Jonathan Slape. And we're here to talk about CONCACAF, the Confederation of North Central America and Caribbean Association Football. Donald, what's so great about CONCACAF? Well, for me, it it really just ties into, I love visiting all these countries. I love learning about the culture. I love learning about the food, the history, seeing some of the beauty they each have to offer, mixing up with locals, and also the fact that you can watch a match at 8,800 feet with smog clogging your lungs, or you can watch on a patch of grass next to the country's airport. You really get it all. I, I love CONCACAF. It's, it's the greatest federation in the world. I mean, I, I, I have to echo those sentiments, but it's also, I would feel, the um, most bonkers, wild federation there is. Um, there's a reason that if, if you've been an American soccer fan for a long time, you've, you've heard about um, that's so CONCACAF or getting CONCACAFed. Um, it is just, uh, it's wild, it's unpredictable, um, and going to the beach when you go and watch some soccer is never a bad thing. Look, no other confederation has a hashtag. No one says you got UEFA'd. No one does that. But you can get cockacaft really, really bad. And I think it, you can get comnabled. I could maybe say you get comnabled. Uh, they're not um, good with hashtags no, down there. No. We got it. We 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 got the hashtag game unlocked. You got cockacaft hashtag. Yeah, nothing that happens in Conmobile can compare to what happens in cockacaft. And I think I got to echo what you guys had said. It's, you know. Some might say the top level soccer, you see like Germany playing France. You know what? I don't know if they can play to that level if you throw them in San Pedro Sula, you know, whether it be a turf field, a torn up pitch outside at like a, a high school level the mound stadium. still there. Yeah. On an island that was blown up by a volcano. Like there are things that, countries around the world when they take the field in international competition they don't have to deal with and you might it, the level of play might not be the best but there's no more interesting confederation across the world than what we have right here in CONCACAF and there's plenty of competitions there's so much that ties especially in the United States with all of these little countries little countries like Canada uh, with all these island nations around us. And it really makes you, the region feel a little bit smaller when you're like, oh yeah, well, the U.S.'s next game, it's against Costa Rica. It's like, it brings, it brings your neighbors a little closer. And I think there's something romantic about that. And I really hope that we can spread you spread the good word, the gospel of uh, CONCACAF soccer to the world. I will say this about CONCACAF, and this is what separates us from the rest of the world. If I lived in Spain or I lived in England and I flew to Costa Rica on a holiday, I go, man, that was a great holiday. It'd be great to play a soccer game there. We we travel for soccer games and we get there and go, man, we should also holiday here too. That would be great. So we get to investigate our places for vacation 
by going to soccer games where our team faces these nations and these nations face us. It's incredible. We get the best of both worlds. We get to vacation while we watch a game, and sometimes we get to do both at the same time. Yeah, and with 41 member associations, uh, it really runs the gambit of uh, of everything. Yeah. Um, so with these member nations all over, uh, we're going to try to shine some light on these member nations because you might follow the Premier League and know a lot about soccer in England, but do you know as much about soccer in St. Vincent and the Grenadines? Probably not. So we're here to teach you that. Uh, the first thing we're going to go to is the CONCACAF transfer wire. Uh, Jonathan, what has been going on with transfers in the area? Yeah. So first, with the Concacaf transfer wire, we're gonna try to we're gonna talk about some of the uh, some of the Americans moving, some of the Mexican players that are that are moving all over all over the world. But we really want to try to shine the light on, on some some players from from small countries like like Canada um, and 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 the Caribbean. Um, but so we're gonna just want to touch on a, a few transfers. Um, you know, for one of the first ones that. Uh, came uh came up recently as uh Kendall Watson uh the captain of Costa Rica and the captain of FC Cincinnati um transferred to back to Saprissa uh in uh Costa Rica so uh one of the most uh one of the the largest and historic uh teams uh in Costa Rica a central defender um guy I think it's just kind of end of his uh you know at 33 he's old like all of us um, so heading back to, uh, heading back home, um, and then, um, you know, outside of, outside of us players, um, Canadian Stefan, uh, uh, Steven, uh, Estucotillo, um, going from sporting, uh, in Portugal to, uh, Pacos Faria. Um, so he's on the move, I think looking to get some, get some playing time. Um, cause I know that at, uh, you know, anytime you're at sporting, breaking through that, um, th- breaking into that team is difficult. Um, and then also, I mean, I think the big things is, you know, as the CBA and MLS was kind of up in the air, we saw a lot of Americans, um, making short term loans across the, uh, across the pond to England. So you have, uh, you know, Donald's, uh, Paul Areola and Jordan Morris heading over to Swansea, guys like Daryl DK, uh, heading to Barnsley. So um, we're going to try to break down not just some of the big transfers, um, but some of the, the, the lesser known ones. Any other, uh, Donald, Eric, any other transfers that, that stick out with you guys? Not anything that necessarily sticks out, but I do want to touch on the Jordan Morris and Paul Areola uh, loans. Actually, the DK loan as well. Um you really haven't seen like a group of national team players go to Europe like this on alone. It's really an opportunity to continue their seat, almost get a running start into MLS season. Um, I mean, we haven't seen something like this since Donovan and Everton um, where you get a, I mean, with the national team, being tougher and tougher to break into these guys need to take these chances to uh, build their profile and make their case. And it's good to see. Yeah. And, and 
you know, touching on that, there's there's a couple of players like DK who who couldn't actually get the permit, the work visa to go to England, uh, to go to the United Kingdom if they didn't play in that match a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so that's pretty astute uh, observation by the coaching staff and by everyone involved to make sure that that happened so that they would be able to uh, make some of these transfers happen. But I will point out Jonathan David, uh, he plays in France and has kind of been tearing it up lately for a little. Um, so he's kind of a guy for, for you know, the, the small fish that is Canada to kind of uh, watch out for because everyone knows about Alfonso Davies. He's he's probably the best left back in the world. Uh, we'll talk about him a little bit later uh, in in the Concacaf segment that we have. But you know, just having more of these guys playing abroad and playing well abroad only strengthens the region. It makes us as Americans. It makes us a little queasy because we don't need these teams to be that much better. We we're trying to get back on top, but it does make sense for uh, some of these players to to go and. and go abroad and, and get better and it makes the region better. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's, I think Eric touching on, you know, the last time we saw it was like, you know, when we saw guys like Donovan and Dempsey uh, and either other MLS players like uh, Robbie Keane and David Beckham going and taking those, those short loans. Um, but it's a little bit different because it's, I think all of these are to the end of the uh, uh, championship season instead of it just being a short, um, you know, January loan uh, because, you know, the CBA, we now know uh, as of today that the the league won't, the MLS won't start until April 17th. Um, so like they, these guys are going to come into MLS uh, in what should be great form, um, ready to hit the ground running for uh, even for CONCACAF Nations League as well. All right. Anything else on transfers we want to touch on? No, I think that's it. Okay. Moving on. Uh, next, we're going to go to our main subject. Uh, this this portion is what we're going to kind of focus on uh, every episode. It's called our CONCACAF Laser Focus. And what we're going to do is take you, take you in to a detailed look at these countries that make up CONCACAF being their history, their culture, their national teams, uh, any fun facts, where they are now, and where they might be going. Um, so, Donald, take us to Barbados. Well, so first I'll talk a little bit about the culture, the country, just the kind of history behind it. And, and every week, you know, every time we, we do one of these, we'll focus in on some of these aspects. We obviously can't get to everything. But uh, for now, for Barbados, I do want to start with kind of the history. It, it, it was one of those countries that was discovered by everyone, everyone kind of claims that they discovered it first, but the Portuguese were thought to be the first country to kind of make it to the island. The Spanish, the English, and even the Irish all tried to colonize the island as well. The English kind of made the most inroads in that regard, which is why most people in Barbados speak English. Uh, but a lot of the indigenous population was run off the island by the Spanish. Uh, the British ended up kind of taking their place and settling in droves. Because of that, there's English, there's some Creole Patois spoken a bit, but English is king in Barbados. So you don't have to worry about learning a local language, uh, but they do share a birthday with me. Their independence from the United Kingdom came on November 30th, 1966. No, I was not born in 1966. I was born on November 30th, though. So when you celebrate Barbados Independence Day, you can also buy me a drink. <laughs> so... <laughs> Barbados, uh, they're, they're locals. They colloquially call themselves Bajans. 
uh, they refer to their home island as Bim. It's kind of a word that was used by uh, Igbo slaves uh, that settled on the island. But historically, the island, the, the country was uh, dependent on sugarcane cultivation. Now it, it diversifies into manufacture, uh, manufacturing and tourism and also some finance. It has the third largest stock exchange in the Caribbean. So if you're not trying to go to the Cayman Islands, you're not trying to go to Barbados, put your money, uh, bar, uh, I'm sorry, to the Bahamas, uh, you can go to Barbados. The one thing that they are known for is their music, their carnival, their, their flashy cultural event that takes place. It's called the Cross Cropover Festival. It's kind of like carnival uh, in other countries. It's one of the largest events around carnival in the Caribbean. Of course, a lot of calypso, a lot of soca music, a lot of dancing, a lot of bright lights and, and, and just flashy dancers, flashy dresses. It's incredible. And naturally, their most famous native is Rihanna. So God bless Barbados. Uh, when we went down there, uh, uh, their, her face is everywhere on signs. And I, I don't I don't blame them. I love her. If I have to move to Barbados to marry her, consider me Bajan as well. Uh, and then finally, I'll, I'll get into a little bit of the food now and talk a little bit later. Uh, they have some a mixture of kind of African, Indian, Creole cuisines. You'll have a lot of, a lot of dishes, a lot of curries, a lot of fish. Uh, but their most famous thing, is the rum. Barbados is known for two rums. One you may have heard of because it's really good, and one you may have heard of because it's literally everywhere. The most famous rum is Mount Gay Rum, which is the world's oldest remaining rum company. It was established in 1703. It is easily one of the top five rums that you can drink in the Caribbean. I, I'm saying this as I sip on some right now, but there's also Malibu. Malibu is a rum that if you haven't heard of Malibu, you probably don't drink, but Malibu is everywhere here in the United States and Malibu is a product of the Barbados. So, uh, so Barbados, great, great country, very small, but has a lot of flavor, a lot of passion, a lot of style, and of course, a lot of rum. If you haven't had Malibu coconut rum, did you go to college or were you just not, were you ever a, a, a youth? <laughs> a ute yeah were you a ute but literally i mean when i say it's ever it's like if you don't drink you probably have heard of malibu like it's in it's in music it's in movies like it's everywhere but mount gay is the one that like if you're trying to find a rum that you're just trying to sip on and have a great time they obviously have different varying years there's some you can mix there's some you can just sip on mount gay is fantastic yes and i i do need to state for the record that this is a very pro rum podcast uh, we're gonna so be drinking we'll, a lot of it. I, I have a drinking. lot of rums from these travels. We're gonna we're yes. gonna discuss all of it. Well, that's one of our favorite topics here. Um, all right, thank you, Donald, for the Barbados primer. Uh, I'm gonna talk about the Barbados men's national team. Your Bayesian tridents, of course, the flag has a trident on it. Uh, the history here is deep. The Barbados F Football Association dates back to 1910 when it was born as the Barbados Football Amateur Association. Worth noting for reference that the U.S. Soccer Federation was formed in 1913, so the Barbados Football Amateur Association was prior to that. They decided to go pro and drop the amateur name in 1925. Uh, Barbados played their first international match on April 20th, 1929, hosting Trinidad and Tobago. Things started out great, with the debut ending as a 3-0 victory for Barbados. The recap in the Jamaica Gleaner three days later, because it was 1929, read as follows. Headline, Barbados scores over Trinidad in football. Dateline, Bridgetown, Barbados, Saturday. 
The football match played today between Trinidad and Barbados teams resulted in a win for the latter by three goals to nil. McIntosh scored two, and some other guy who's eligible uh, scored one goal. There was a large attendance. They would play again days later. Back to the Jamaica Gleaner with all of the details. Headline, Barbados football. Dateline, Bridgetown Barbados, Monday. In a football match played today between Trinidad and Barbados, the latter won by two goals to nil. Both goals were scored by Ashby. At the beginning of the game, Bowering of Barbados was injured and had to discontinue playing. And there's everything you needed to know from your Jamaica Gleaner, uh, thanks to ttfootballhistory.com for that. Uh, the Barbados FA joined CONCACAF in 1967 and became a FIFA member in 1968 and entered World Cup qualifying for the first time for the 1978 World Cup in Argentina. CONCACAF qualifying at the time took place at the Quadrennial CONCACAF Championship, with Barbados entering the regional tournament for the first time in 1977. Back then, there was a qualifying round where, depending on the zone, you had different paths in. CONCACAF being CONCACAF forever, the North American zone, Canada, U.S., and Mexico, played round-robin home and away, top two in the standings advance. Central American zone, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Panama, round-robin home and away, top two in the standings advance. So, of course, naturally, in the Caribbean zone, we play two legs, aggregate goals. Winner advances. Barbados faces, you guessed it, Trinidad and Tobago. First leg in Barbados, Tridents get a 2-1 win on a brace by Victor Clark. Second leg in Port of Spain, TNT wins 1-0. 2-2 on aggregate. Away goals tiebreaker. Nope. It's CONCACAF. We're playing a playoff two weeks later. Barbados that hosts... Sounds, that sounds like CONCACAF. Listen, it's going to be a recurring theme this whole time. So we're playing a playoff two weeks later. Barbados hosts in Bridgetown. Trinidad scores early. Victor Clark ties it for Barbados. 1-1 at the half. In the 74th minute, Trinidad's Leon Carpet puts TNT up 2-1 before in the 85th minute, there he is. The Bajans' Victor Clark scores again into his own goal. Final score, Trinidad and Tobago 3, Barbados 1. Trinidad moves on to the 1977 CONCACAF Championship. Through the 80s, Barbados did not enter the CONCACAF Championship. Ergo did not qualify for the World Cup or anything. But in 1989, thanks to Big Oil, Barbados got some action. Shell, yes, as in Royal Dutch Shell, the oil company, decided it'd be cool if there was a Caribbean international soccer tournament. Shell had a base in Barbados and decided on Barbados as host because they had an international airport. Key factor in hosting an international event. So now you have the 1989 Shell Caribbean Cup in Barbados. As hosts, they avoided qualifying and got a bye to the finals. They opened finals Group A with a 1-0 win over Guadeloupe before a 3-0 loss to, of course, Trinidad and Tobago. TNT advanced, beat Grenada in the final, and took the $10,000 grand prize as winners of the 1989 Shell Caribbean Cup. The 1990 Shell Caribbean Cup in Trinidad and Tobago went differently for Barbados. After qualifying with two wins and a draw in their qualifying group, the Tridents got through the final group unbeaten drawing Martinique 2-2 and defeating St. Vincent and the Grenadines 3-2 in the final game to finish second in the group and advance to the third-place match. Now let's get the CONCACAF meter turned way up here. Barbados, having the best tournament in their history, awesome. The third-place match never happened. The 1990 Shell Caribbean Cup was abandoned. No third-place match and no final because of a coup attempt. 
While Barbados was defeating St. Vincent on July 27, 1990, radical Islamist group Jamaat al-Muslimin attempted a coup d'etat of the government of Trinidad and Tobago. The group stormed Parliament and took the Prime Minister hostage, along with most of his cabinet hostage, took over TTT, the state-owned national television broadcaster. The siege lasted six days before the radical group's surrender, but the damage was done and the 1990 Shell Caribbean Cup would not be completed. You think we're done with the Caribbean Cup here? <laughs> the Caribbean no. Cup is, is is fantastic. If you have not watched it on like a, a like random YouTube internet stream where someone's like doing it off of a, off of a camera on the ground, and when I say camera, I mean like an actual digital camera. Like those, it's fantastic. It may, it really makes me feel like I'm watching um, Open Cup, like especially those Open Cup rounds where like the supporters group are the ones that are just like holding up a, a camera. Um, like that's, that's really what it, what it makes me feel. This is like, I mean, the, the Caribbean cup is like, it's like a step below that. It's like, a, it's like a body cam. Like you're watching through the eyes of a, of a player who, who may or may not be playing. Like it could be the goalkeeper. So you're like, why is the ball getting so, so far away? Oh, right. The goalkeeper is just staying where he is. Yeah. Almost like a GoPro, but like an old camcorder. Just like right, exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, but we're not done with the Caribbean Cup. No way. Fe- we're about to go into new territory here. Fast forward to January 1994. We are in qualification round of the 1994 Shell Caribbean Cup. Barbados in Group 1 with Grenada and Puerto Rico. If you're unfamiliar with this story, fasten your seatbelts. Again, this is qualifying. A simple round robin to advance to the Caribbean Cup. At the time, FIFA had been bouncing around ideas for variations on tournament rules. Caribbean Cup organizers decided to test out a new rule for the tournament. It was decided that any matches where it was tied after 90 minutes would go to extra time. This extra time period would be golden goal, not a full period, and the golden goal would be worth two goals. Yes, any golden goal was worth two goals. How could this possibly go sideways, right? Barbados opened the round robin against Puerto Rico, falling 1-0. Two days later, Puerto Rico faced Grenada. The game was scoreless through 90 minutes, and in extra time, Grenada scored a goal, ending the game and earning a win that counted as a 2-0 victory. So the standings had Grenada at the top of the group at three points with a plus-two goal difference. Puerto Rico second with three points and a minus-one goal difference, and Barbados in third with no points and a minus-one goal difference. In the final game, Barbados would need to defeat Grenada and defeat them by two goals to advance. So let's go January 27th, 1994, Barbados National Stadium in St. Michael. I'm just going to go right to Wikipedia for this. The match started off routinely, and Barbados scored the first two goals, establishing the two-goal margin they needed. In the 83rd minute, however, the game changed when Grenada scored a goal which would take Grenada through to the finals unless Barbados could score again. Barbados attempted to score for the next few minutes, but as time ran out, they switched to a different strategy, tying up the game so that they could try to achieve the two-goal margin with the golden goal in extra time. In the 87th minute, they stopped attacking, and Barbados defender Terry Seeley and goalkeeper Horace Stout passed the ball between each other before Seeley intentionally scored an own goal. Now the game was at 2-2, with just three minutes of normal time left. The Grenada players caught on to the Barbadians' plan 
but then they realized that they would advance in the tournament by scoring a goal in either net since they would still qualify for the goals with a one-goal loss. This left the match in a highly unusual position, with Grenada trying to score a goal in either net, Barbados trying to defend both. For the next three minutes, Barbadian players successfully defended both sides. Still drawn at 2-2, the game went on to extra time, where the winning golden goal would count double. Thus, Barbados only had to score once to qualify for the 1994 Caribbean Cup. Trevor Thorne scored the winning goal for Barbados, and they advanced to the next round with a score of 4-2. In a press conference after the game, Grenadian manager James Clarkson said, quote, I feel cheated. The person who came up with these rules must be a candidate for the madhouse. The game should never be played with so many players running around the field confused. Our players did not even know which direction to attack, our goal or their goal. I've never seen this happen before. In football, you are supposed to score against the opponents to win, not for them. The double golden goal rule was used five times over the course of qualification in 1994, and the Caribbean Cup organizers scrapped the rule after the tournament. Though the Barbadians' own goal was highly unconventional, FIFA decided not to penalize them because they were playing optimally under the circumstances. That's all from the Wikipedia page for the game. Worth noting that there's a Wikipedia page for a 1994 Caribbean Cup qualifying game because <laughs> this is CONCACAF. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Uh, Barbados ended up finishing third of four in the group stage and did not advance to the knockout. It's been a rough go for Barbados over the last couple decades. They have yet to qualify for a gold cup. Uh, In 2008, they earned a decent result during 2010 World Cup qualifying, falling by just a 1-0 score to the United States in the second leg of their second round series at home. Of course, the first leg was an 8-0 win by the U.S., which you may remember as being the biggest win in U.S. men's national team history. Uh, In 2015, during the second round of CONCACAF qualifying for the 2018 World Cup, which never happened, Barbados took on Aruba in a two-leg home-and-away aggregate to advance to the third round. Barbados won the first match 2-0, and after winning the second match by a 1-0 score, the Bayesians were eliminated from qualifying. Why did that happen? FIFA sanctioned Barbados for fielding an ineligible player in the second match. Hayden Holligan had accumulated two cautions in qualifying and was supposed to serve a one-match ban. FIFA declared the last match a 3-0 win for Aruba, which, thanks to a 3-2 aggregate score, advanced to the next round. Most recently, in the 2019-2020 CONCACAF Nations League, arguably the greatest competition in global soccer, Barbados won their League C group, edging the Cayman Islands on goal difference to earn promotion for the next edition scheduled to start in 2022. What's next for Barbados men's national team? 2022 World Cup qualifying, which tentatively they're scheduled to play Panama and Anguilla in March before facing the Dominican Republic and Dominica in June. They will also face Bermuda in the first round of qualification for the 2021 Gold Cup in early July, where two wins will get them to the Gold Cup group stage for the first time ever. Barbados is led by former Trinidad and Tobago manager Russell Latipi, a former player who earned 81 caps for Trinidad and Tobago and had an illustrious club career spending time with Porto and Boa Vista in Portugal before more than a decade in Scotland appearing with Hibernian Rangers, Dundee United, and Falkirk. Uh, He signed a two-year contract in April 2019, so uh, he's on the hot seat. As of the last FIFA rankings, Barbados sat at number 162, looking up at number 161, Tahiti, and number 
and down at number 163, South Sudan. Uh, the Tridents haven't taken the field since January 2020 when they played a pair of friendlies against Canada and Irvine, California, which were both 4-1 losses to the Canucks. Since the, that was outside of a FIFA window, they didn't have their full selection of talent. This includes Nick Blackman, uh, English, Bayesian winger, uh, currently at Maccabi Tel Aviv after coming over from Derby County. Another notable is Manchester-born Halem Hope, who came through Everton's youth system and played for England's youth national teams. He got cap-tied by Barbados September 2018 and just recently moved from League Two's Carlisle United to League One Swindon Town. Uh, one young player to keep an eye on is 18-year-old forward Thierry Gale, who's at Budapest Honved in Hungary's first division. He made his senior debut at age 15 back in March of 2018. The rest of the player pool is mostly players who are playing with clubs in Barbados. Midfielder and captain Rashad Jules last spent a brief spell with Kemi City in Finland's third division. He and defender Ricardio Morris spent the summer of 2017 with the NPSL's Tulsa Athletic. Uh, defender Carl Hinkson finished up at Southern Illinois University Edwardsville in 2019. Midfielder Jomo Morris, most recently of the previously mentioned Kemi City in Finland, spent a year at Juco Arizona Western College in 2017. And of course, Arizona Western's mascot is the Matadors. Uh, Barbados, uh, their, their stadium, Wildy Turf, is currently being renovated. Uh, with new turf being installed this year, uh, next phase involves a $8 million grandstand, which will hold 3,000 people. Uh, new concessions, stands, and changing rooms also coming, uh, which is being funded through the FIFA 2.0 program. Uh, Donald, do you want to talk about the women's national team? Yeah, so the women's national team doesn't have quite the history uh, or the matches that uh, the men's team has. The men's team, as you said, was founded in two, uh, 1910. Uh, the women's team started in 2006. They're currently ranked 123rd in the world. The highest they've been is 115 back in June 2018. So they've kind of been hovering in the 110s and 120s in the world rankings for most uh, of their existence. But I will say that they have never, ever qualified for a major international tournament. So uh, they don't have a lot of history whatsoever. They didn't play at all in 2020. Their last match was a win over the U.S. Virgin Islands in Olympic qualifying back in October of 2019. Two things about the Barbados women's national team. They'd be mashing some folks, okay? They played the Turks and Caicos twice back in September 2017, and the combined score was 19 to nothing. One game was 10 to nothing. The other one was 9 to nothing. Mm -hmm. The other side of that is Barbados also gets mashed. <laughs> uh, Jamaica got them 7 nothing in Olympic qualifying. And Suriname, Suriname, we'll talk about them down the line, but they dropped 10 on them back in 2007. Cuba has also dropped 7 on them. And Trinidad, and Trinidad and Tobago said at one point, ah, 10 seems excessive. We're only going to give you nine. So they have some issues with scoring. Sometimes they score a lot, and sometimes they get scored on a lot. So uh, their defense is, is very inconsistent, uh, but it, it stems from the fact that they just don't have a program in place that will allow them to play games consistently. I think with the creation of the new Nations League uh, that's coming in 2023, uh, will that will help them kind of get back to investing resources into their women's program so that they can become more consistent and develop talent. But right now it's just not there. All right. So um, 
after covering the national team, we're going to talk about the Barbados Premier League and FA Cup. Uh, so before we dive directly into the Barbados Premier League, Barbados has three full divisions of soccer with prom- promotion and relegation. And I know people are going to start talking about like, why doesn't the U.S. have pro rel? But we're not going. We're not. We're not going to. We're not going to dive into uh, to pro rel um, at all. Uh, <laughs> but the league has been around since 1947, uh, so going into its 75th year, um, and it is the it is old, much like the national team. It has been around longer than it has been an independent nation. Um, we're gonna play. I'm not gonna go into clubs per se because we're gonna play a game called Real Team Fake Team uh, with Donald in a little bit. So I don't want to give too much. Um, I'm, I'm excited for this. I really. Uh, am. I'm. I'm gonna get. I'm not gonna give too much out because I don't want to cover. Um, you can't uh, ruin it. I, I don't want to ruin it. Um, we also. They, so there. There's three divisions. Uh, ten teams are in the Premier League. The league is sponsored by Digicel. Um, and it has just finished its 1920 season. Uh, now, the FA Cup. Uh, the, they have an FA Cup that was founded in 1910, uh, and it has been running ever since. Um, I'm, again, not going to give out uh, give out teams and names, but I'll say that um, the Kensington Rovers um, won uh, nine of the first ten Um uh, of the FA, uh, they they shared it in 1912 uh, with yeah. Harrison College, um, but between 1910 and 1923, either Kensington Rovers or Harrison College were winners of the uh, Barbados FA Cup. See, that's so, that's the storied rivalry right there. Storied. So I, ri- I'm filing this away because I, I'm assuming Kensington Rovers and and Harrison College are not a part of the game that's coming up. So. We'll call them. A, we'll call them a dynasty. Call them both a dynasty. Call them a dynasty. Let 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 it will be a running thing. Any teams previously mentioned will not be a part of the game, but we'll get to the game soon. Our next section, uh, we're gonna call this "That Sounds Good," where we're gonna find something. To t- like a local delicacy or whether that be a food, whether that be an alcohol, uh, just something, you know what, where you look at it, it's like, that sounds good. So Donald, uh, why don't you tell us about something that sounds good in Barbados? Yeah. And as when we do this segment, sometimes it'll involve, uh, a personal experience or at least experience that the two of us or or two or, or the three of us have taken in said country and this week, or, or this episode for Barbados, it just so happens that it is a personal story involving Eric and I. So Eric and I went to St. Vincent and the Grenadines for a World Cup qualifier back in 2016. I guarantee you, when that episode comes out, you do not want to miss that. It is going to be the greatest episode of all time. But well, anyway. Every, every episode leading up to that one is practice. Yeah, so the, that, that's the episode. game. That's the, that's, the, that's the main event. But I digress. Uh, you, you know, that was a trip. We had a great time, but the way we had to get down there was kind of a roundabout way. We had to fly from Miami to Barbados and then uh, on like American or Delta or whatever, and then change airlines to Liat Airlines, which at the time was the only airline that could get Americans to St. Vincent's twin 
prop ass airlines. <laughs> so that meant on both legs, there was a layover in Bridgetown in, in Barbados. So on the way there, it was only a couple hours. So uh, we just grabbed a bite to eat across the street from the airport before we headed back well, to catch our connection. There is one thing you have to explain about the airport in Barbados is that you have to leave the airport if you have a connection. So like right. when, when you land in the terminal, like you go through customs and then they put you out the door. And right. then and so you're out in the street. <laughs> you're out in the street. And if you were just connecting, you have to go back into the airport and through security again to get to the terminal for your next flight. So pretty right. much you're always leaving the airport. Right. So we left the airport and we're like, I mean, if we're going to have to leave the airport, like we might as well get something to eat and literally smelt like some chicken or something across, like literally across the street at the shack. And we're like, yep, that's, that's the place. So we, we did that. But on the way back, we stopped over in Grenada and then we had what was like a six hour layover in Bridgetown. So we decided, all right, now we can go into the city. We can get some food. It was a Sunday. So it was, it was well before noon. I think we landed at like 9 a.m. So there wasn't was much early. open. It was early. So we ended up finding, we ended up just like dialing up whatever internet we could find and found a joint that was open. It looked like a sports bar casino. We're like, cool, let's do that. It's called Lucky Horseshoe. So, of course, naturally, Lucky Horseshoe sounds like a casino, but on his face, we're like, okay, it looks like a kind of a sports bar. So we go in, there's a few of us, Eric, is, Eric and I are with a few people that were on our flight with us, and we sit down and we're looking at the menu, and Eric goes, what's this dish when the waiter comes over? And they had this dish that was literally called bacon with a side of shrimp. So the waiter tries to explain that it's literally just bacon and shrimp. So we're like, yeah, definitely, let's do that. Uh, we, we thought there was going to be some fries or like some salad or some sort of side, right? Nope. That's literally all it was. It was literally bacon on a plate with some local hot sauce, which was banging, by the way, and then shrimp on a separate side plate with the same hot sauce. I think we ordered some, when we realized that it was literally just bacon with a side of shrimp, I think we ordered some fries, uh, just like some communal fries. I, you, you did. Exactly, that's exactly what I wanted. It was. Yeah, I think we ordered some fries for the rest of us. Yeah, and, and we also, of course, we ordered a ton of drinks, which they looked at us funny because it was 10 a.m. when we arrived. But we just sat there as a group for like two hours, eating nothing but bacon and shrimp, and having a ton of drinks on our way back to the United States. And mind you, while this is going on, we're watching a Jamaican Red Stripe Premier League highlight show that they had on. So ESPN Plus, I need you to get on that because it was fantastic. We we literally just sat there. We were captivated by their recap show, which had a lot of steel drums. It had a lot of flavor. It is definitely not your normal highlight show. But Bridgetown was really cool. But the bacon and shrimp plate at Lucky Horseshoe, amazing. Bacon perfectly fried. Shrimp, the shrimp, mwah, loved it. It was a great time. Definitely a cool place to hang out for a few hours on a layover. Or if you're staying in town for a few days, it's right down the street from a couple of hotels. Uh, but Lucky Horseshoe, Get the bacon with a side of shrimp. Yeah, great patio, great ambiance. Couldn't ask for anything more. Much love to Lucky Horseshoe, uh, friend of the show. All right, so it's game time. Uh, as Jonathan previously mentioned, we're moving on to our next segment, which is going to be a recurring segment. And honestly, like maybe one of the highlights of the show it is called Real Team or Fake Team. And the premise is exactly as it sounds. Uh, two of us will alternate with presenting team names to a contestant. In this case, today's contestant is Donald. 
we're going to present to him teams from the leagues of Barbados. Now, Donald has to listen to these names, which may sound ridiculous, but it is CONCACAF. So he has to deduce just on his own assumptions if it is a real team or fake team. And Jonathan and I are going to take turns. We're going to give you the team name. And you just got to say, that sounds real. That sounds fake. Whatever reasoning you want. But we're going to alternate and see how many you can get right. All right, let's do it. So, Jonathan, go ahead with our first team. Notre Dame. Like like the school? Like Notre Dame? Like, like, Like the school. Okay, so... I don't like Notre Dame. I don't like that one. I, I I would I would offer that you give me a new one, but because you offered that, I'm gonna say that it's real because that sounds like something that they would have, especially if they have a Harrison College that was a, a dynasty back in the day. Yeah, so uh they have um they finished seventh last year. Uh they have nine Premier League division titles and six FA Cups, uh winning last winning the double in two thousand ten. So that is that is a real team. Got him. Okay. I'm going to go next. Your next team is Bridgetown City FC. Bridgetown City FC. Mm, this is okay. So people out there, this is why this is this game is going to be tough because there's some teams where you look at that. You're going to say, yeah, that sounds exactly like a team. And then there's some teams that like, it sounds like the worst possible name it looks like someone like had a dartboard with random words on it and they just threw darts at it and named a team after that this sounds like too real to be a CONCACAF name so i'm gonna say it's fake donald you're correct it is a fake team (laughs) all right we're gonna follow this up with uh the saint joseph tropics the saint joseph tropics oh if they named it after the Flint Tropics, I would have said that it was a real team paying homage to my home state uh, and other fake teams. But uh, this this seems like this team doesn't seem real. It can't. There can't be a team in the Tropics named the Tropics, right? That, that's, that's fake, right? It is fake. <laughs> it is okay. fake. All right. Uh, next, we're going to go Police Sports Club. Oh, because <laughs> there is a police FC, but it's not in Barbados. And when we did the pre, like we did a, a, a episode zero and that had a team called the police or the defense force or something. Uh, they love them some police. I, say the name again. Police sports club. I'm going to say that's real. I'll just go with real. That is a real team. Yes. It was yes. a real team in Barbados. Uh, next one for you is Paradise FC. Paradise FC. Oh, man. I just had the explanation about how they wouldn't name a team the Tropics and you give me Paradise. So I'm going to go <laughs> with the same reasoning, but say it's fake. Uh, that is wrong. They are a real team. They finished third <laughs> last year in the uh, 1920 season um, that was suspended due to the pandemic. Um, they most recently uh, won the Barbados FA Cup in 2018 uh, for the sixth time. 
Uh, and what last one, the Barbados Premier League in 2003, uh, located in Christchurch, Barbados. I would just say any of these teams that are real, if you are sponsored by Lucky Horseshoe, you are the podcast's favorite team. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw that out there. Yeah, we should probably do more research as to uh team sponsors. Mm-hmm. See if we can get a little tie in. Um all right. So last one. Uh FC Mega Ballers. FC Mega Ballers is the is the last letter a Z. No. It's an ass. It's fake. It's fake. They got to have a Z. That is real. That is a real oh team. <laughs> Division three of Barbados uh, in zone two of Division three of the Barbados League. System. Yeah, we got to work on their name. We got to work on their spelling. We got to have some 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 zip. We got to okay. have some Zs in, in some of these names. So, so that's four. Did we get four for Donald? Yes, we did. That, that, that was four for Donald. Okay. So... The inaugural edition of Real Team Fake Team. Donald putting up a four spot. We're gonna four out of six. That... That's a, that's the passing grade. I'll take it. Yeah. Two out of three ain't bad, you know. Yeah, Meatloaf said it. You got it. <laughs> All right. So that was Real Team or Fake Team. Looking forward to the next edition already. Uh, next segment uh, is the Jack Warner update. Jack Warner, obviously. You may know him as the exiled former FIFA executive committee member who uh, has been banished to Trinidad and Tobago, avoiding prosecution for crimes in the United States. Uh, He was recently in the news. Uh, Let's go to Trinidad and Tobago Newsday. The headline, Warner, Joe Public FC never wore Adidas jersey. So (laughs) let me read you some of this article. Former FIFA vice president and special advisor of the TTFF Jack Warner has denied claims made by an ex-Trinidad Tobago goalkeeper, Shaka Hislop, that shirts which were intended for the members of the Soka Warriors national team at the 2006 FIFA World Cup in Germany were used by players of his domestic club, Joe Public. Now, sidebar, Jack Warner owned a team in Trinidad and Tobago, and the name of the team was Joe Public. Just That's, that's the name they came up with. Joe uh, Public is is like world is a world famous team. Like it's not a Concacaf famous team. That's a world famous team. You know, you go all parts of the world. You see people walking down the street in Joe Public jerseys. I will say, DC United played Joe Public in the old Concacaf before Concacaf Champions League. They played Joe Public in like 2006, and I think they actually came to DC. This was the year before I came, and I was pissed because I was like, yo. This this is literally like a team called Joe Public. It's like the best name in CONCACAF. I want to ask what jerseys they were wearing because I'm going to continue with this article because it's just absolutely ridiculous. Hislop on a video clip on ESPNFC.com said, in the World Cup, we got sponsored by Adidas. We get there. They tell us we have three shirts. That's all. In the group stage, we play three games against Sweden, England, and Paraguay. So the players are like, hold on, I want to swap shirts with an opponent, and then I wouldn't have any shirts. It got into a big heated debate at the team hotel. Hislop, a football analyst at ESPNFC, continued, we are arguing with the administrators, and they are bargaining like they only gave us three shirts. So we were like, well, what if we got through to the next round? Then they said, well, they would have given us more. The story goes on. However, Hislop pointed out, for the start of the next domestic season in TT, 
Jack Warner sponsored a team called Joe Public. Joe Public played in national team shirts in the league campaign. Quote, if you played three games, you had to make a choice as to whether to, you keep the TT shirt or you swap it with the opponent, only to find out that all the extra shirts were commandeered and used as a club shirt and TT. Contacted, Joe, Jack Warner said, quote, Joe Public never even wore an Adidas shirt. Hislop wants to bring that after more than 10 years. I'm tired of those guys. In 2021, he remembered Joe Public shirt. I have no issue with that. That is a pack of expletive, continued Warner. After 15 years, he now remembered that Joe Public had Adidas jerseys. So, Jonathan, your thoughts on the Joe Public jersey fiasco? I mean, screw Jack Warner. Um, that, 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 those are my thoughts. Okay. Donald, your thoughts? Jack Warner sucks. All right. Thanks, Donald. Uh, and that's our Jack Warner update. Uh, let's move on to what's next in CONCACAF. Um, Donald, do you want to talk about what is ahead in the calendar in 2021? Yeah. So uh, there's a couple things that are ha- one happened tonight, like literally minutes before we recorded. Uh, and then also something that's taking place tomorrow and then something for the future. So I'll start with tonight. Just literally minutes before we started recording, we got the round of 16 for the 2021 CONCACAF Champions League. The draw took place uh, tonight. So I'm going to go through the teams and who they were drawn against. I don't know if you guys have even seen this because literally like right before we came on, uh, this happened. So I'll take you through the teams. Cruz Azul, and a reminder, right now, the American teams and the Mexican teams will not face each other. They kind of are in the same pot and they get drawn against the rest of the region uh, that has made it to the round of 16. So Cruz Azul will face RKFC, who is from Haiti. Club Lyon will take on the Canadian champion. We don't know who that is yet. It's either Toronto FC or Forge FC out of Hamilton in the CPL. Uh, I think they play in a couple of weeks, and the winner of that game will play Lyon in the Champions League round of 16. Monterey will take on Club Atletico Pantoya from the Dominican Republic. Columbus Crew from Major League Soccer will take on Real Esteli from Nicaragua. The Philadelphia Union, they get the worst draw of everyone. They go to Saprissa. Saprissa is probably the most difficult place to play in all of CONCACAF. Their stadium is awful. It sucks. And I want to go visit before I die. Atlanta United will take on Alajuelense. I will say, having gone to Alajuelense in Costa Rica, which is just outside of San Jose, literally minutes from Saprissa, Alajuelense Stadium, when full, is the loudest stadium in soccer that I have ever been a part of. It is banging loud, and everyone needs to go. I will take you. They have great food outside the stadium. They have great drinks outside the stadium. And inside the stadium, it is a 10-box full of nothing but noise. Uh, The last two, we have Club America versus Olympia, and then Portland Timbers will take on Club Marathon from Honduras. So they spread out the competition this year. The round of 16 starts in April, and they're going to have, you know, the first leg, the, the round of 16 in April. The quarterfinals will stretch into May. The semifinals aren't until August and September, with the final uh, being a single leg somewhere in the in the late October range. So instead of having everything done by April, they're going to have everything spread out throughout the year, which actually could play well into uh, the the hands of, of, of the Major League Soccer teams who are will probably get their legs under them by the time the season starts. I do want to focus more on what's going on tomorrow. It's the club world cup final in Qatar. Uh, 
Bayern Munich will take on Tigres. Tigres, who won the 2020 version just last, uh, just back in December uh, of the Champions League, they are the first CONCACAF team to ever make a Club World Cup final. They are firing on all cylinders, and it's hard to say that they will have a chance to beat Bayern because Bayern is very, very good. But you cannot stop Gignac. He, he's the man. Gignac had two goals uh, the other day to propel them to the final. So uh, against Paul Maris, which is a, a, a traditionally power, a traditional powerhouse out of South America, out of Brazil. So Tigres has a chance to claim CONCACAF's first club world cup. And they would have that patch on their, on their Jersey for all of the, for the rest of the year, which would be incredible. Uh, so to stay tuned to that, that's going to be on FS one. I want to say tomorrow afternoon, uh, Thursday, February 11th. And then finally, the CONCACAF Champions League is going to get kind of a re redraw and they're going to get re reshuffled around and they're going to expand it uh, in a couple of years. Starting in 2023, they're going to re bring back the group stage that used to happen uh, for everybody, but is going to involve 50 teams, including 20 from Canada, Mexico, and the United States. The I won't get into all the other ones, but I'll focus in on North America, Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. 20 teams will qualify. A lot of them will be during through domestic league in domestic leagues and cup competitions. There will be one qualification slot through the leagues cup, and they'll be drawn. It's going to be more regionalized where they draw into four groups of five. They'll play a, a round robin, and then they will qualify for the knockout stage. So those eight teams that qualify will be joined by three North American clubs who will qualify via a playing round. So. That is the, the gist of it. it it's going to be interesting because right now, Major League Soccer does not allow uh, the four slots that they get through the U.S. Open Cup and MLS Cup and other factors. They don't let the Canadian teams uh, qualify through that round. They can only qualify through the Canadian Championship. With this expansion, the three Canadian teams, uh, Toronto FC, Vancouver Whitecaps, and CF Montreal now, not the Montreal Impact. Whether the Club whether the, the Impact Club the Foot, um, they those teams will be able to qualify for Champions League by winning MLS Cup or by winning or finishing first in in the Eastern Conference or Western Conference. So that'll be interesting to see because it will be interesting if Major League Soccer, which is obviously predominantly an American league that has some Canadian teams. If a Canadian team bounces through, it'll knock an American team out of the league, but they are expanding in all areas so that there will be more teams from North America involved. Nice. Jonathan, yeah, what are I mean, your thoughts on? Uh, I mean, I think it's, it's a big win for, uh, for the teams, for the, for the CPL teams, um, because it, it's going to give them more opportunities to get in. Um, I think that it's going to, um, it's definitely going to be a change for uh, some of the American team for the U- U.S. teams uh, that are going to have to deal with, um, you know, with the Canadian teams being able to get in. Um, but I think, you know, being regionalized should help as well um, with especially travel, because you remember you, you had the, these Canadian teams that were flying down to um, Central America, which is a lot to have them do on a, in a midweek uh, during it. Uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on is. Um, I'm glad that we're going to see some uh, the open cup spots be less uh, important, especially as we're, we didn't touch on, but open cup this year is bullshit. Um, (laughs) For real. uh, So I love the open cup too. I love it. It should, it should be where everyone's involved. I get that there's COVID, but 
the way that they do it, I, I'm sure you're going to explain it. The way that they're doing it this year is just it's just stupid. Yeah, so not every team is involved. Um, eight MLS teams will be involved, four USL teams, and then there's a, a few other like uh, NISA, um, the MPSL, PDL. Uh, I think there's the eight fact- USL championship teams and then like four League One or something yeah. like that. But the fact that a, um, a CONCACAF Champions League spot is going to go to um, a team that not every team has uh, a chance to qualify for is bullshit. Um, also, it's right up there with Atlanta being um, given a spot in the uh, the Champions League uh, as well for the 2021 season. Yeah. Now, going back to the Champions League, with the way they've made that regionalized, do you guys think it loses some of the magic if you don't have a Canadian team flying midweek down to Central America to play a team? I mean, uh, I definitely... I, I don't... Go ahead. I would say it does. It does lose a little bit of the magic. You lose a little bit of the uh, the giant killing. Um, and because we 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 saw that at different points, we saw uh, teams getting upset uh, in those group stages. But I think, especially right now, as um, you know, teams in in all uh, you know areas are are struggling from a cost perspective. That I think that this is, and it's going to give it's going to give these Caribbean teams some more. Uh, some more footing as well. I think the the thing that I see about it is it doesn't matter until these teams take it seriously. And I'm not saying that the CPL teams don't take it seriously. Like Forge FC is probably trying to go gung ho so they can get into it. But the major league soccer teams don't really care about it. They it's, it's the reverse of Europe, right? Like sometimes in Europe, you'll see teams rest their players for a league match because they know they have a champions league game coming up or Europa league coming up. For us, we're playing everybody in that league game, and so we're going to bring up like academy players to play in Champions League. I want the Champions League to have the stature it needs to have. I want the U.S. Open Cup to have the stature it needs to have. But to do that, the teams have to say make those a priority and and, and really sell it to fans and say, "Hey, this is a this is a competition. This is a chance for us to go to Qatar or wherever it ends up, the Club World Cup ends up being when they expand it because it's going to expand in a couple years as well." This is a chance for us to take our team name and make it a global name. Like when you think of CONCACAF, you want the rest of the world to think of some of these major league soccer teams. I want DC United. You guys want Nashville SC and New York Red Bull or whoever to to be those teams that people think of when they think of major league soccer. But to do that, you have to win U.S. Open Cups. You have to win League Cups. You have to win championships. You have to get to the Champions League and you have to succeed and do well. But to do that, you have to put your effort and put your resources into doing it. Yeah. No. And as you mentioned with Europe, like teams emphasize that because there's so much money involved, there's not enough money into CONCAP right. Champions League right now. Um, maybe you see that change. Uh, hopefully the format changes they're making uh, help facilitate that. Um, other than that, oh, do we, do we think, do we think, uh, do we think Tigre's got it tomorrow? Do we think they're going to get it against Byron or do we think Byron is just toying with the police? I think Byron's just, yeah, I think it's Tigre's doesn't have a chance. I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a big deal that the fact that they got to the final. Um, I mean, even last year we saw, uh, Monterey when they played Liverpool, uh, took them to extra time. So like, I mean, it, it there's definitely, there's definitely a chance, um, Bayern is just a machine at this point, though, and so, um, and I would just, I just think they're just going to roll through. But that's why they play the games. 
I'm looking forward to uh, nobody in Major League Soccer saying, let's get on board with CONCACAF. Let's be Team CONCACAF like they were Team Major League Soccer when LAFC made the final. I, I'm looking I, forward I, to that not happening tomorrow because it's not because they're not going to get behind Monterey. Because here's the thing. If Monterey, I'm sorry, if Tigres does win, like if they do knock off the knock off the slay the Giants and they beat Bayern Munich, how pissed is Major League Soccer going to be that they didn't put resources into it? And because of that, a team from Mexico is going to benefit and Liga MX is going to get extra stature and extra boost and extra profile because they host the Club World Cup champs. You, you yeah, can't get mad about it because he could have done that done that thing every year for the last couple of years. Like, there's mm-hmm. no reason that you didn't start now. Like, mm-hmm. start yesterday. So I'm gonna couple things. Um, I am never one. You will never hear me on this uh, being Team MLS uh, to see a team <laughs> win the Concacaf Champions League. Um, I want chaos. I want others to be miserable. Um, so I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna just gonna put that out there. Um, but more Joe Publix, more Joe Publix, <laughs> um, more mega ballers. Give me mega ballers. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that, um, the T grace is a little more easier to stomach because it's, it's not your club Americas. It's not, uh, it's not, it's not those, it's not those big, t- it's not the big boys, um, or Chivas. Um, but I think to the point of, you know, MLS being able, like, you know, putting in resources, I think knowing that eight teams are, can qualify from, uh, from, from the United States, um, will allow these teams to plan a little bit better. Cause right now we're kind of at the point where like, uh, you don't know if you're in the next year's, uh, champions league and really until the end of the year. So there's, there's not a lot of time that you're able to see teams plan for this. Uh, we're seeing that like, you know, Columbus is in it now. And so you saw with them picking up Kevin Molino, picking up uh, Bradley Wright Phillips, like they're preparing for uh, the Champions League run. But I think that we're, we're going to see that with more teams qualifying, you're going to see teams being able to say like, oh, we plan on being, you know, in the top three every year in the league. So we're going to structure our contracts and be able to uh, plan on being there. I will. I will say this about uh, you may you may not listen to this till after the Club World Cup. So I will say this: if you watch any games in League MX, watch Tigres because Tigres has a it, he has they have a Concacaf god. Okay, Andre Pierre Gignac may be French, but that man is pure Concacaf. He has been Concacaf. That man was sent down to bestow his his grace upon us, and damn it. You better watch him because that man is awesome. Uh, I love Geniac. I love watching him play. And, and Tigres is a great team to watch because of the way they play. And because that dude is like 35 years old and still just destroying every everything he touches. Geniac, CONCACAF God. See, yeah, I, I can't say that I want to see Tigres win as much as I would want to see a team like Bayern Munich get concacaf Right, yeah, introduce yeah. them. To but the aren't player. they prepared to get Concacaf because of Alfonso Davies? Well, they we got rid of should Chris be ready. It's coming. <laughs> they ain't ready. All right. Um, and outside of the club talk, we do have World Cup qualifying coming up next month, so we'll have more to come on that, as well as potential Olympic qualifying tournament, which I guess depends on if there is a Olympics to qualify for. Um, so I guess that's an evolving situation. 
and we will address that in the next episode tomorrow's episode next week's episode whenever that one drops uh i think that about wraps it up so let's hit stoppage time uh this part of the episode each week if you want to call it weekly um we will talk nonsense so boys what are you drinking right now I'm drinking a uh, Hemingway daiquiri, a.k.a. a Papa Doble, um, with some uh, plantation uh, white rum in there. Classic. Ooh, very nice. I am drinking, uh, I guess I guess they call it a dark and stormy. I just call it uh, rum with a little bit of ginger ale. Usually you have ginger beer, but I have ginger ale tonight uh, and a little bit of lime juice. Uh, but the rum is tying into the theme of this episode. It is malt gay rum. So uh, again, I have the sipping kind. I, I don't have this, the, 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 the high, high class, like sipping kind. I have the mix this with something kind, uh, which is still very good by itself, but mixed with something else, even better. I went high class. I have, am drinking some uh, Tortuga Cayman rum. Oh, you <laughs> asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I got myself a bottle. What? when we were down there i mean shit that i want to say i wanted to say last november but that was it was a year it, yeah it's a year and year last ago that it's that pandemic time i will um, say this for anyone out there who listens who has a bead on tortuga rum uh any of them uh maybe not the coconut but anything else all of them uh you are more than welcome tortuga you are more than welcome to sponsor this podcast we will happily take any samples. We will take big bottles. We'll take small bottles. We'll take any bottles of Tortuga rum because Tortuga rum is fantastic. On that topic, uh, if you are listening and would like to sponsor the World of CONCACAF podcast, please email us uh, at podcacaf at gmail.com. Yes, that's exactly how it sounds. Pod, P-O-D, cacaf at gmail.com. We are certainly looking to endorse great products from all across the CONCACAF region, uh, whether that be nice Caribbean rums or beers from anywhere. We, it could be a different We'll do product. reviews. We'll or do Joe reviews. Public jerseys. No, oh, with definitely hey, jerseys are, are like our must. Uh, we, we, have, we have three experts at jerseys, and we will review. We will wear them. We will take pictures in them. We'll do photo shoots. We're all very, very, very intelligent and also great-looking people. Uh, and yeah. your jersey will look great on us. I have a saying uh, that everyone has a price, and we certainly have ours. So, <laughs> so feel free to reach out. Uh, we'd be happy to endorse your product. Uh, you have our email, podcacaf at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at podcacaf. Uh, on Instagram, we are at podcacaf. On Facebook, we are facebook.com slash podcacaf. We got everything on lockdown. Uh, so make sure you follow us uh, on all social medias for updates on when episodes are dropping. Uh, feedback. We love feedback. Uh, let us know how it, how it is. Make sure you rate and review us on whatever service you might be listening to, if that's an option. Um, and generally, we just want to interact and talk about how wonderful CONCACAF soccer is. Uh, Jonathan, Donald, do you guys want to talk about your other uh, projects? Yeah, so I'll just say uh, catch me at uh, jslapessp uh, on Twitter, um, and then also uh, at Speedway Soccer uh, and Broadway Sports Media. 
Uh, you can find me at BlazinDW. That is B as in boy, L A Z as in zebra, I N as in Nancy, D as in Delta W. Uh, that is my that is my handle on Twitter and Instagram. And also, you can catch me on Stars and Stripes SC. I run the podcast there. I run the blog there. And currently, since it is February as we record, uh, I do a Black History Month series, one story every single day on Black history from around the world, some involving the United States, some involving CONCACAF players. Uh, We'll not be doing Jack Warner because Jack Warner sucks. Uh, But uh, other than that, there's a a lot of stories that you can catch up on the beautiful game in and around the United States and sometimes even CONCACAF, including Nations League. Yes. Highly recommend Donald's Black History Month series. definitely recommended reading uh again you i'll be the one running the podcast uh socials so again it's at podcast and uh thanks for listening we really appreciate it uh and we hope to see you again soon uh thanks for joining us and we'll see you around the bend <laughs>